Our holy God, God, we praise you. We thank you for this day. God, I pray that every step we take, we would take with you. God, just use us. Help us make a difference in this world. Most important, help us make a difference in eternity. God, give us eyes. Give us eyes to see beyond this world. Give us eyes to see the plans you have for our lives. We give you the glory. We give you the praise this day and every day. Amen. When it comes to finances, everybody ends up somewhere, but few people end up somewhere, what did we talk about last week? On purpose. I was reading a recent poll that said that 75% of Christians live paycheck to paycheck. Each month, wondering if we're going to have enough. Personal bankruptcies have doubled in the past decade. 43%, and I found this staggering, 43% of all families in America spend more than they make every year. Think about that for a moment. As I was looking at uh, the research, I'll be honest with you, the bulk of it was just staggering to me. And as I kind of began to scan and put stuff together, it appeared we had a really positive trend happening in, the, in like the past two years. Um, the average American in 2008, okay, a couple years ago, carried over 16 credit cards. Okay, we're talking about debit cards, uh, credit cards, store cards, 16 of them. Coming into 2011, that number had fallen to 10. I thought, that's a good trend. Debt on those cards, again, average American in 2008, had $8,200 in debt on credit cards. Coming into 2011... That number had dropped to 7,300. And kind of my heart was like, yes, uh, you know, as tough as it's been the last couple of years, this sounds like good news. And although a portion of the drop in the number of credit cards and the amount of money on those credit cards is because some people are paying down and some people slowed down the use of those cards, the deeper I got into it, the trend shifted, it went downward because huge amounts of debt were just written off in 2010. It was money that was just lost, and they said, we're never going to get it, and, and so they took it off the books. See, financially, everyone ends up somewhere. But financially, few people end up somewhere on purpose. may explain why there's so many in the hole. may explain why there's a lot of tragedy in that area. You know, last week we started this series, uh, Elevate. 
And if, and if you weren't here, I would really encourage you to uh, go to our website, listen to last week's message, because it's kind of foundational to everything we're going to talk about through this series. Because what we talked about was beginning to set God-honoring, not resolutions, but lifetime goals. Big, big difference. You know, elevating is about seeking God's heart. It's about ending up somewhere on purpose. It's about putting together a life plan in 2011. But again, it's not resolutions. It's more than that. In fact, resolutions rarely work. But it's putting together a life plan. And so the foundation of that, uh, and I hope maybe you'll put this on a, on a card, put it on your refrigerator, memorize it, say it to yourself every morning. Where there's no vision, the people perish. You know, last week we said that the, the word vision in the Hebrew is hazon. Where there is no hazon, the people perish. I mean, what's hazon? Well, it, it's a dream. It's a revelation. It's a Vision, In other words, where there's no dream, where there's no revelation, where there's no vision, people perish. And today what I want to do is seek God's vision for our lives in the area of finances. And we're going to deal with different areas each week. But here's the good news. As, as you think about your finances, it does not matter where you are today. It does not matter if your situation is good or bad. I mean, things may be great, maybe cruising along. Or you may be sitting there today going, you know what, we're struggling. You know, it's falling apart. It doesn't matter where you are today, okay? Today you can get a vision from God, no matter where you're at. Today you can begin setting God-honoring goals for your finances, Start elevating your finances. Financially, you can make a decision to end up somewhere on purpose. You know, I believe we we have a problem in our society today. And it's a spiritual problem. There's uh, spiritual forces behind that. You know, the Bible says that the evil one, uh, Satan, it comes to steal, to kill to destroy. And here's what I believe, because I've talked to a lot of people through the years. One of the quickest ways to steal joy from people, to steal that peace, that that sense of security, one of the ways to steal marriages and families is to attack to get people in that material trap, to put them in financial bondage. In fact, that's where many people live, is just survive. Just survive. You know, I think part of it is, I was thinking about, you know, how did, how did we get here? And, and I think part of it's from the time we're young, there's kind of this underlying message that, that we teach our children. And think about this. See if I'm right. The idea is if you make good grades while you're in school, 
then you can go to a good college. So that in theory, when you come out of that college, you can get a good job, right? Why do you get a good job? So you can make good money. And so you get to college, and college kids, listen up on this one. You get to college, and the first thing they do out of the gate is go, we're going to loan you a bunch of money, right? And not just money for tuition and and books. We're going to loan you money to live on. And, And then credit card companies are more than willing to loan you a boatload of money. And I know that new regulations say that shouldn't be happening. The reality is it's still happening. They just figured out a way around it. And so what happens, you get to college, don't need to put together a budget, don't need a job. In fact, you don't even need a checking account. Why? Because you got credit. And so you go to school, and the whole reason you go to school is hoping for a better financial future, right? True? And financially, you get sucked into this modern, materialistic mentality. And if you don't believe that, take a look at the, the stats out there. Last year, in 2010, 19% of all bankruptcies were filed by college students or kids just coming out of college. Before they ever get started, they get tangled up and they get tripped up. Everyone ends up somewhere, but few people end up somewhere on purpose. Now, I am not going to cover everything this morning. There is no possible way. In fact, I could do a really long series and still not cover everything. But here's what I want to do today. Today, I want to inspire us. I want to inspire us to to begin to make changes in our life. And what I'm hoping is that in in this message, that the message and God's Holy Spirit will begin to connect with us, begin to inspire you to start seeking God's will for your life financially. Start setting God-honoring goals, whatever those may be, and they're, they're different for all of us. Some things in common, but different for all of us. And that we would start claiming what has been stolen from us. And so, let's elevate here. What is your financial vision? What is it? Do you have one? Because where there's no vision, people perish. Where there's no vision, people fall into financial traps, debt traps. Where there's no vision, people live paycheck to paycheck to paycheck. Where there's no vision, couples fight regularly over what? Finances. What's your financial vision? I think a lot of people have uh, pipe dreams on this one. They they see themselves well-heeled. I think most in America see themselves with a lot of money someday, wealthy, a lot of stuff. But there's really no plan for getting there. Well, unless you consider wishing a plan 
I hear this often, you know. We're hoping to win the lottery. Never buy a lottery card, but we're hoping. I mean, we're, we're hoping to inherit a lot of money from a really rich relative, which we don't have, by the way, but we're hoping. We're hoping to win Publishers Clearinghouse. Some morning they're going to knock, I know. You know, win a game show. You know, I saw a million dollar drop, is that what it's called, the other day. I was like, okay, here we go again, you know. I'm going to break some hearts this morning. That is not God's plan. Not God's plan for your life. may happen, but that's, that's not God's plan. That, that is not part of a God-honoring vision for your life financially. You see, God-honoring vision requires a real plan to get you there, wherever there is. You know, what is your financial vision? I'm going to suggest that you start by seeking God. You've got to seek God in that. You know, what, what is God's vision for your life? What is God's design for your life? I tell people regularly, sit down with your spouse and, and talk about what is God's design for us? What is a God-honoring vision for, for our family? You know, you may want to sit down with your family. In fact, I believe it's one of the greatest ways... One of the greatest gifts you can give your children. Again, age-appropriate thing here, but to be able to teach them, to, to teach your kids on this topic. But you start by asking, where does God want us to be? What is a God-honoring when it comes to this topic? And it requires you being honest. Not honest about where you want to be, it requires honesty about where you are presently. And then I want to suggest you just get a piece of paper out and you write it out. You write out the vision for, for your family. You know, my God-honoring financial vision, and you finish the sentence. And you need different time frames on it. Again, this is not a New Year's resolution I'm talking about a lifetime goal. In other words, my God-honoring vision one year from now is, and you write it, my God-honoring vision five years from now is, you know, my God-honoring financial vision 10 years from now, 20 years from now, and just keep rolling it out. You know, someone said something I thought was really interesting when I was looking at this. They said the average American drives a bank-financed car over a bond-financed highway on credit card gas to open a charge account at a department store to fill their financed home with installment plan furniture. Hmm. Where there's no vision people perish. And what I want to do, I want to give you two visions, and they're, they're the two extremes, okay? I'm going to give you the two extremes for a financial vision. I want you to listen really carefully, and I want you to think about which one comes closer, okay, to where you want to be, and I'll give you a chance to vote 
here in a minute. But here's the first vision. All right? First vision. In my finances, I have a vision. I dream of struggling financially for the rest of my life. I mean, when it, when it, when it comes to money, I want to worry. I want to be stressed out. I'd love to fight with my wife about it or my husband. I, I would love for it to strangle us for the remainder of our lives. I have a dream of one day working two or three jobs to keep it together. I have a dream of working till I absolutely physically have worn out. And when the bottom finally drops out, I look forward to the government taking care of me. All right. How many of you would say, count me in, sign me up, that is my vision, that's my dream, let me see hands. Anybody a taker? It's ridiculous, right? Let's try a different vision. This is number two. I have a vision of one day being completely debt-free. Not the way that our society says debt-free. I am talking absolutely 100% debt-free. No payments of any kind. I do not have car payments. I do not have house payments. The only debt I have is a biblical debt. You know, Scripture, Paul, Paul writes, he says, let no debt remain outstanding except the continual debt to love. That's the only debt that you have, where you freely and generously give the love of God to the people around you. That is the only vision of debt you have. In other words, when you look around you and you see a need, you dream of a day that you can just step in, pray about it, and do something about that need. Why? Because you got more than you need. That's the only debt. Where you're moved, where because you are faithful with what little God has given you, God's blessed you. And you can enjoy what you have and not feel guilty about what you have and not feel strangled by what you have. Where, where at some point in your life you get to the point that you have freedom. You have freedom vocationally. You can, you can do whatever it is God calls you to do whenever God calls you to do it. Because why? Because you're financially free. How many of you would say, you know what, count me in, I'm game for that? Let me see your hands. Okay, almost everybody. Let's imagine for a moment that right after this service, I'm going to get in my car. And I want to go to Chicago. So I get in the car, head down to seminary. I jump on uh, 255 South, which is the only way you can go from here, by the way. But I jump on, travel for a little while, and I merge on to 55 South. And I drive for the next five hours. And at some point, I'm greeted by a welcome sign that says, Welcome to Memphis. Great things have happened in Memphis. I was born there. 
What, what's the first piece of advice that you want to give me when I get on 55 South? Turn around. That's right. Turn, go north. And I say, but, but I, I, I want to go to Chicago. But I want to drive south on 55. You'd say, that sounds like our pastor. You say, you are not going to get there on that road. And friends, I'm going to say this as loving as I can. If your financial vision, God-honoring vision, is the second vision that I talked about, for many, you need to turn around. You are on the wrong road. That road... The road you're on, it's heading toward the first vision. Where there's no vision, people struggle. Where there's no vision, people ultimately perish. What's your vision? Every business, every business in the world has a vision for your finances, for your money. Let's take a company, and I'm not picking, I could pick any company, but Sony, for instance. Sony has a vision. They have a vision for you to possess the largest flat screen possible. That is their vision. They want you to have some, some kind. And they are going to do everything they can to convince you that your TV experience is really subpar until you get one. They will spend millions on that vision. Sony has a vision for your money. So does every single business on this planet. All the way from AAA to Zales, okay? Some of the women go, oh, Zales, I like Zales. I lost the guys at big screen, but anyway. Don't misunderstand me. It's okay to have a big screen. That's not my point. The point is that you need a God-honoring vision that is not driven by businesses' vision for your life. You need a God-honoring vision that's driven by God's values in, in your life, not some company's values for you. And I see this play out all the time in in people's lives. The the fact is, the, the, the focus of our money goes to things we value or we've been told we should value. And that's part of the problem because when there's no vision, when there's no vision, the vision that a company has for you, a business has for you, it works. It works. This is a road many, many, many travel down, and it's just the wrong way. You know, I want to tell you, this world, this system that, that we are living in, it is broken down. It is broken down, and it's time to get off the road and turn around. It's time to establish a God-honoring vision. 
based on God's values that God's placed in our hearts. What's your vision? What's your vision? What's your God-honoring vision? And how are you going to get there? You know, Proverbs uh, writes, says, The plans of the diligent lead to profit, as surely as haste leads to poverty. You've got to have a plan. I heard it said from the time I was young, if you fail to plan, you're planning to what? Fail. And here, here's what I find just crazy. It, it, it kind of undoes, I come undone inside. But that is the things that we plan for and the things that we don't plan for. And when I, when I watch, like someone will go, hey, let's get married. Okay. And, and so people start planning. And they plan for six months, a year, sometimes longer. But we plan, 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 plan for a wedding. Lasts about 30 seconds. 30 minutes. Three or four hours if you add in a reception. Thousands and thousands of dollars, months and months of planning. There's nothing wrong with that. But here's where it gets twisted. Most couples... Spend all that time planning for that event, and they spend absolutely no time planning for what's going to happen after the event, which might explain why so many marriages fail today. Here's another one. Let's build our dream home. And we plan and we plan and we plan and we design and we pick and choose and do all this stuff. Again, it's not really the problem. It's the fact that we don't plan for the dream family that's going to live in the house. Here's the kicker. We go, we go to college, get, a, get this education because we want to get a better job so we can make more money, so, we, so that we can have more money and we have no real plan for the money that we're going to get. You need a plan. You need a plan. You need a plan. Plans fail for lack of counsel, but with many advisors, they succeed. I believe we all need help establishing a plan. And again, I can't cover everything, but I hope it inspires you to say, you know what? We got to get aggressive. We're we're gonna we're gonna read. We're gonna we're gonna study up. We're gonna get the resources we need, and get informed and get a vision for our finances, and actually implement a, a plan, something that will work. I'm going to hit three areas real quick. I believe these are three important areas that you need some kind of vision for, for your life when it comes to finances, where you should seek God on, on every level and, and establish a plan, a plan of action, so to speak. And I'm going to start, first one's giving. You know, what is your financial vision for giving? You know, I, the fact is, I know as I say that, some of you are going, eh, that's peripheral. Well, if you're a Christian, it's central. It's central. It, it, it's, it's really at, at the core. It's why Scripture spends so much time talking about the first fruits, you know, giving, giving God the, the first fruits, the tithe, the, the first part, because God owns it all. It's kind of the litmus test. You know, the fact is, I've talked about this many times, that our finances should reflect 
that God is first. You know, so first things first, and that's where I'm starting. God's at the center. God set the bar. God says, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son. God kind of says, that's what I'm about. You've been here. You've heard me talk on this. And I've said, it all belongs to God when you get right down to it. It's all his. But God promises when we take that step that things begin to come into line. doesn't fix everything. Don't misunderstand me. But he blesses those that are faithful. And I, and I know that. And I just want to give you a, a peek, a glimpse. And I'm going to talk personally here for a little bit. But this is Cindy. For Cindy and I, God-honoring vision, okay, for us. I'm not putting this on you. I'm saying this is us. When we, when we first got married, both of us were already committed to, to tithing, giving God the first 10%. So that has always been the starting point for, for the two of us, always, always has. But that vision over the years has grown and changed. It didn't stop there. But it was the beginning for, for us as a couple. And as Cindy and I have seeked God throughout our lives, there was a point where we realized intentionality. And we did this in many areas of our life, but I'm talking finances today. And we just said, you know, what is God honoring? vision for us financially and what's God honoring when it comes to giving and I remember it was about 15 years ago as Cindy and I were both seeking God God just placed something on her heart and she said it just wouldn't go away and this is what God placed on her heart she felt like the largest check that we would write as a family would be to God. You know, bigger than any of the payments that we had, which our house payment was our largest thing at that time. And I'll tell you, it was a lot more than what our tithe was, giving God that first 10%. There was a big gap between that. And she came and talked to me about it. She said, I need to talk to you. You know, God's put this on my heart. And, and she told me. And after I picked myself up off the floor, no, we, you know, we, we talked. And then we talked about, well, what's it going to take for us to do that? For us to get there to that point. And over time, we started making adjustments that were necessary. To move us there. And we started giving beyond that tithe. And we started supporting the the campus expansion in in Springfield. Uh, I was pastoring up there at the time. And God just kept elevating that in our lives. Now we give the tithe and, and we help support what's happening here. Getting us out here. And we support a little girl named Charity. We've been doing that for... I don't know, about eight years now, and she's in Uganda, and, uh, you know, it. Uh, I see her picture every morning when I sit up, sit at my desk. It's part of our vision. And then there were a few people that we love and care about that 
we realized we needed to leverage our finances there on a regular basis. And then we said, you know what? If we see a need and God puts it on our heart, we're moving. We're going to do it, whatever it takes. It's just a part of a God-honoring vision. Again, that's what God put on our hearts. I'm not putting that on you. But I'm saying you got to have the conversation. You know, we started taking those steps, those first few years that God put it on Cindy's heart. And and honestly, it was kind of a treasure test for for us of what we treasured most. And, And God began radically changing our hearts because God was giving us a new vision, new vision for our lives. And here's what I believe. Whatever God's vision, again, that was God's vision for us. Whatever God's vision is for you, what I, what I believe happens is when you begin planning around that vision, God, the, the vision that's God-given, that God placed, I believe, on, on your heart, what you find is you get the motivation to start moving toward whatever it is So first thing, when you talk about God-honoring finances, is you got to get a vision for giving in your life. All right? Second thing that we need is a God-honoring vision for eliminating debt. And I hope you noticed I didn't say reducing debt. Eliminating debt. I am talking about however long it takes, but getting to a place where the only debt that you owe, again, is the debt of love that we talked about earlier from Scripture, of sharing God's love with, with the world, world around you. But why do you need a plan to eliminate debt? Right here. The rich rule over the poor, and the borrow is what? Slave of the lender. The Hebrew word for slave there, it comes baggaged with the idea of bondage, being shackled. When you are in debt, you are in bondage in your life. And and I know as I say that, you go, no, you're not. That's not true. That's an exaggeration, Damon. Really? I see bondage all the time. Here's what I hear people say. You know, Damon, I I would love to be at home more with my family. But I just can't afford it. I need the overtime. I need this job. And it requires me to never be around. We, We love to have another child. But we just can't afford it. I'd love to stay home with the kids while they're little. But we just can't afford it. It's bondage. It's a sad form of bondage. I don't know how many times I've heard people say, 
I, I can't believe they'll, they'll see a situation and their hearts are moved and they're like, I, I can't believe that happened to them. I, I would give anything if we could help them. But we just can't afford it. It's bondage. Get a vision to eliminate debt in your life. If you are heading south and you want to go north, friends, the only thing I know, it's time to do something new. Time to do something different. Again, I can't go into all the details, but you've got to develop a budget. You've got to develop a budget and you've got to stick to it. And, and for some, it means cutting back. For some, it means downsizing, living within your means. And it absolutely requires you to be honest about things. You know, some of you need plastic surgery. Now, get the plastic out and cut it up. Yeah, you thought it meant something else, right? I, several years ago, I had someone come in my office, and I had told them, bring your credit cards in. And uh, they brought a whole box. No joke. I was reading 78% of Americans deal with emergencies with plastic. Plastic piranhas. Start paying down the debt prepare for, for the future. Uh, when, when I was growing up, um, my dad, he had systems for, for everything, but he, he really had a, a way of understanding money, and, and people knew that, uh, that were around him, friends and stuff. And uh, when someone was struggling financially, they'd come seek my dad out. And uh, he would always talk to him. He would say, you know what? What what do you owe? And he'd have them put it all out on paper. And then he would say, okay, we're going to attack the smallest bill first. And then he would try and get them to find an extra $50, $100. And his plan was that you would take that money and you'd put it with the money that you were paying on that little bill, whatever it is, the smallest one, and that you would leverage that money against that bill every month until he paid it off. And then when that one was gone, he would take that 50 or $100 and the money that was being paid on that small bill, and he would say, okay, now leverage that against the next smallest one. And he'd just tell them, keep knocking out the smallest bill. Now, years later, I become a pastor and I start reading. That's what financial counselors, Christian financial counselors will tell you that. People like Dave Ramsey and Larry Burkett and Ron Blue, they call it a debt snowball. But it works. It works. I've talked to people through, through the years. It works. Develop a vision. Develop a God-honoring vision for, for your finances. Develop a vision for giving. Develop a vision for eliminating debt and here's the last piece develop a vision for the future you know proverbs 21 says the wise have wealth and luxury but fools spend whatever they get i think you could say on the end there 
live paycheck to paycheck. The fact is, what are you planning for in your future? Because it's coming. What are we planning for when we do that? Well, I think like emergencies. That's what you're planning for. You know, when something breaks, the oh no fund, you know. You you plan for the future. You're planning for future purchases, uh, remodeling, uh, vacation, Christmas planning for retirement, college, whatever. Do you have a plan? What is your vision? What's your God-honoring vision for the future? Everybody ends up somewhere, but few people end up somewhere on purpose. used to play ball on a pretty regular basis with Kevin Gamble. Um, He played in the NBA. And uh, most of his career is with the Boston Celtics, started with them. Um, And uh, he's a great, great guard. I mean, tremendous. And we had known each other since high school, had played ball together all those years. And so when he, in the off season, when he was in town, I'd get a call every once in a while, or I'd find out he was going to be down at the Y. And so I'd go down and play ball with him. And um, it was interesting because... When Kevin was in town and word got around that Kevin was in the house at the Y, we'd have 50, 100 people gather up in the gym to see us play, see him play. All right. So but it it was interesting because when we would get done playing ball, people would come up to him, and especially some of the younger ones, and he they would say things to him like, man, I'd love to do what you do. I'm going to do what you do someday. And people would say it different ways, but they were getting at the same thing. And Kevin, he kind of had a pan answer for things. And he would say, you know, it's a privilege to play in the NBA. And God's blessed me tremendously. And, and Kevin meant it. And God was core in, in, in his life. But I remember one day after just an onslaught of these comments to him, I caught him and said, Kevin, you ever get tired of hearing people, you know, say, oh, I want to do what you do and all that? And and I remember him saying, and this wasn't his exact words, but I think I'm pretty close on this. He said, you know, Damon, lots of people would love to do what I do, but there are very few people that would be willing to do what I did to get here. And I've never forgot that. Everyone ends up somewhere, but few people end up somewhere on purpose. What is your God-honoring vision for your finances? I want to challenge you this week to work on that, to pray about it, to seek God on it, to, to begin working on it. And don't take it lightly. I mean, you get to decide. Elevate or not elevate. Change things or not change things. But ask yourself, what is your vision? What's your vision for a year from now? What's your vision five years from now? Ten years from now? Twenty years from now? 
most of the time, he, he, this isn't, oh, what can I do in the next two weeks? And focus on those three areas. Develop a plan for giving. Develop a, pan, a plan for debt reduction and elimination. And develop a plan for the future. What's your God-honoring financial plan? What is it in your life? Now, I'm just going to leave these up here, resources. The first four are books, uh, Financial Peace and the Total Money Makeover by Dave Ramsey. Excellent. You don't need to go get all these. Get one of them. Just get a book. Uh, Master Your Money, Taming the Money Monster by Ron Blue. Both excellent. Again, just pick out one of these things, and then there are two websites that have a lot of resources. Maybe you don't know how to put together a budget. Maybe it's all new, new to you. Pick it up, read it, sit down, spend some time. Um, I know many, many that went through uh, the Dave Ramsey financial piece that we had here at the church uh, in the fall. We'll do that again uh, this year. But take the step and start working on it. And honor God with your finances. God's vision for you. And it's all a personal thing. But you got to work through it. So let, let's stand for a word of prayer. Our holy God, God, we, we praise you. We thank you. You have created fearfully and wonderfully. God, I know that um, this whole area, when you talk about finances, it's full of all kinds of worry and pain and struggle. And God, I just pray that um, that peace that's just been stolen. that we would begin to put together a plan to get past that, to reclaim that amazing future you've promised. God, I pray for every family here that um, when it comes to what you've given us, that um, we'd just be God-honoring that bring a smile to your face. God, if we're heading south, help us start going north. God, I thank you for your grace that allows us each day to take a new step, to wipe the slate clean, say, you know what? Today's the day. God, I pray 2011's the year we turn around a lot of areas in our lives. We just give this one to you today. It's in Christ's holy name we pray.